Why does he have to be down here? Why can't he have a normal dressing room like all the other wrestlers? But no, he's got to be down here with the rats in the darkness. Uh, used to be a time when the wrestlers would come to Needles the Tailor. Now Needles the Tailor's got to come to the wrestlers. Where is that Undertaker? Let me tell you something. this world of Shakespeare for the common man, much like Shakespeare was back in Shakespeare's day, and then the artsy-fartsy crowd didn't care for the people on the front of the bottom end shitting during intermissions around them. Look it up, ladies and gentlemen, in your history books. Yes! Well, I don't know what that yes was confirming, but this is Let Me Tell You Something. A podcast about pro wrestling. I'm your co-host, Lorcan Mullen, and with me, as always, is the earthquake to my typhoon, the Fatu to my Samu, the Lance Cade to my Trevor Murdoch, Mr. Simon Cross. Simon, how are you doing today, mate? I'm doing good, Lorcan. Uh, that, that took a dive towards the end there. Mm. You started off strong with those um, comparisons, and then just, 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 just... Just didn't quite have enough to get over hey, over thankful, the edge there. Be thankful you're getting the Lance Cade and I'm getting the Trevor Murdoch. You know, and the, well, the one if you were to guess which one of them was going to go to an early grave, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it was wrestling in that time period, so where everyone just disappeared. Talking about the grim spectre of death, Simon. This is the final chapter. In our long-running, longer-than-intended-running trilogy of episodes about, as I think I've said before, in my humble opinion, the greatest artistic achievement in the history of the WWE, The Undertaker. So we've talked about The Man, which was The Undertaker as a wrestler, his in-ring work. We talked about The Myth, which was kind of the presentation package, the entrances, the costuming, the gimmick itself. Now we're just going to take a final holistic view at The Undertaker. And and I guess the obvious question is to you, Simon. I think a lot of this will probably end up being about the streak, but let's try and avoid that as much as we can. Uh, Because I do want The Undertaker. The Undertaker almost has been too defined by the streak in recent years. So let's try and take the whole period of time. You know, for 20 years or so, he was wrestling pretty much every pay-per-view, every big Raw or SmackDown uh, event at the time, would have The Undertaker either there or his presence would be felt. Will there be another Undertaker? Probably not. Um, Purely because I think, um, without wanting to hark back to previous episodes, the style of wrestling in general is, is quite different now. So whether or not we're going to get the same lengths of longevity from anyone, um, regardless of how successful their character is, um, that's not likely to happen in my estimation. And also, it's a weird comparison, but you've got to think of Undertaker quite in sort of the same way you think, like Madonna. Um, in many ways, Chris Jericho is pro wrestling's Madonna, but The Undertaker has, to an extent, mirrored the same Take evolution. To an extent. <laughs> <laughs> he has mirrored the same evolution of his character. He hasn't departed from one... V- variant of his character as much as Jericho has um, but he he has, there's always been tweaks little things, just to, just reinventing himself just enough whilst keeping the like the creamy middle of his core character 
feels so, like, like the concept of the Oreo has been the same, but at times we've had double stuffed. We've had the pink... Golden Oreo, yeah. my personal favourite. All, all the variants therein. Yeah. Um, do you, okay, do you agree with my original statement that he is the greatest artistic achievement in the WWE's history? Possibly, possibly second to WrestleMania itself. But as an individual, definitely, I would say so. Yeah, there's been so much creativity in the entrances. Even when they were cutting corners in the mid-90s, they would make a bit of an effort with The Undertaker. Like, I remember his big return at SummerSlam 94 to fight the fake Undertaker. They really went all out with the, a light show display and The Undertaker emerging in the in the light and the shadows and the mist and all that stuff. Well, whereas they will leave... They may not give anyone else a lot of um, accoutrements... At the very least, The Undertaker will get a, a light display. He'll get the lights going out. He'll get... But that's. I think that also shows one of his great strengths was he got the character down pat pretty much from the f- moment he came out. There was very little that The Undertaker did in that first Survivor Series match in 1990 that feels out of place when you watch him. Uh, he, he does a bit more... Um, he do, his, his tombstone's very ugly looking. He doesn't... He, he gets caught up in the ropes. The pinfall isn't quite the perfect. Arms across, head up into the... You know, he didn't add the tongue up part for quite a while afterwards. But it's... In general, um, so much of it was there. The aura, the, the stoicness, the mystery to him. And he was only about 26 or so at that point, but he was already projecting this aura. And it was always a tough sell to have him not sell, as it were, that he was that zombie. And I think a character like that wouldn't be allowed to exist now. They'd have to be a bit more... They'd have had their time on NXT, and they'll have to have eaten a few pinfalls here and there. I know they do protect some people, like Braun Strowman wasn't really given the NXT treatment. But he still sells. But he still sells, yes. And he's not to the level of invulnerability that The Undertaker had or or still has. Like, he will lose to your Roman Reigns and your Brock Lesnar's. Like, The Undertaker didn't really... After after his heel run against the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan, where they would beat him fairly routinely on the house show circuits, after that, he didn't really lose convincingly to anyone, to the best of my knowledge, until Mick Foley, arguably. Mm. Um, and then after that, Stone Cold Steve Austin's really the only person that was presented as able to beat him with any kind of regularity. Not even people like The Rock or... Kind of Triple H were allowed to get a regular one up on him. Yeah, and then you go sort of to like the later years. Um, most people, if they did beat him, didn't beat him fairly. Um, a great example of that is Edge. Whenever Edge got one up to him, it was always through like. Um, but whenever Edge won anyone, it was almost through uh, chicanery well, and yeah. Uh, but you look cheating uh, means. But when the autumn when he had his rematch at uh, SummerSlam, had to cheat to win that, and then we had Cowboy Bob around for a bit. Mm. Never really, as again, it was never really he, mainly because he was a babyface for so so much of that period. No one ever really beat him clean. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, and is it was funny as well, like we said with the Undertaker, that he was presented as a sideshow for so often. But what made that made his interactions then with someone like Bret Hart, who you would did in the same promotion for years and years and years, but their interactions were very few and far between. So when they wrestled each other, I remember at the '96 Royal Rumble, a lot of people consider that match a huge disappointment. But I was so excited because it was these two long-standing characters. Like, I think the the ones that I always say is kind of like with Game of Thrones. How excited you were to finally see Jon Snow interact with Daenerys Targaryen, or to see Tyrion interact with Daenerys, as well as, or, or you know, or, or now with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, these characters you're looking forward to seeing them. They're so well defined, separate from each other, and then they finally get to interact for the first time, or yeah. for the first time in a long time. 
Um, they tried to do that with the roster split, and sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. But The Undertaker, like I said, he was in his own little world where he would wrestle the likes of Giant Gonzalez, Mr. Hughes, Karma, The Million Dollar Corporation, Kamala. And it was really those people were in and out. And they, they almost repeated that as well in later years with the likes of Heidenreich and... Um, <laughs> Luther Reigns. Luther Reigns. These people that were just there to... Great Carly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they, even then, like the roster now interacts with each other on, on a much more regular basis, so you couldn't treat The Undertaker like that. I think I've said it before, that you could... They could do that with Braun Strowman. You could put him on the side, give him his own segments every Raw or SmackDown if you move him there, and just feed him the same couple of people every few like for a couple of months like give him the um the authors of pain or give him Lars Sullivan or give him uh just uh, a, a, you know any any other kind of big man and just allow him to like that he's separate from cuz that's the funny thing about the undertaker as well if you add up all the days that he was WWE champion my guess is AJ Styles has him beat with probably one reign which It'd be is crazy. close to I think it, yeah. Because the Undertaker himself was his own championship almost, like especially the 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 streak that was like well, a, yes. a WrestleMania super title. Exactly. That, that I think that's that symbolises both him as a performer and him as a person. I think the fact that he was his own uh, sideshow, because as well as obviously being on screen more than just a title, something beyond the title. Um, well, the streak was like the ultimate prize. I think one of the reasons the streak was more than a title is because only one man could ever win it. Mm. It's not like you could be a ten-time streak breaker of Would the Undertaker streak. streak. No, but I accept that it was broken. What I don't accept was that he had to carry on afterwards. I think he shouldn't have wrestled again after WrestleMania 30. Well, I've always said my dream, and I think they could still do it if they wanted to, is for The Undertaker to announce that he's going to retire at the next WrestleMania, and for the Royal Rumble that year be for the right to be The Undertaker's last opponents. The inspiration I take for that was when um, Antonio Inoki announced his retirement, there was a tournament held in order to be the last person to wrestle Inoki. Like, that was an honour in itself. Mm. I... And I, and if he'd have had the streak as well, that could have been even greater. Yeah, I like think the without the final streak, chance. Yeah, I think to without not only the streak, the Undertaker, but to do it at WrestleMania and to do it for the streak. Yeah, without the streak, I think that idea loses a lot of merit. Annoyingly, and, and, and you know, the Undertaker versus John Cena for the longest time was a dream WrestleMania match, even for those that didn't like John Cena that much. They knew that they could. They knew that they could suspend their disbelief and think The Undertaker was in with a shout of losing that match. Yeah. That was... That's one of the weirdest things about... Like, if we look at... If, if we're talking purely, obviously, as we are, about the man's status, that's one of the weirdest things about his match with John Cena at WrestleMania 34 was that it was so out of character for a typical Undertaker match. It, it just seemed like... Almost like his first year in the business, where if he was like facing a jobber on superstars to an extent, it was just a really weird, out of place piece in this in this stage of his timeline. It was a what? strange payoff to a storyline that I actually think had been well done up to that point with John Cena. And you said to an extent again, so that's the second shot that people have to take. <laughs> I'm going to kill you all with liver damage. <laughs> Well, it depends to the extent of their liver strength. Do they take one to for you? the extent, not to <laughs> the extent. Oh. <laughs> I'll shot there. But if we take it to that level... Um, <laughs> it's hard now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's a shame that the... Do you think it's almost a shame that when people think The Undertaker, they'll think the streak, they won't think... Like the fantastic storylines with Kane, or the presentation, or the match, the classic matches like that we reeled off about facing the likes of you know if if the Undertaker didn't wrestle at WrestleMania, are people going to go back and if the Undertaker didn't wrestle that person at WrestleMania, is it a match that people are going to go back and watch other than the Hell in a Cell match with Mick Foley? Is that all that the Undertaker is at this point? Ah, uh, the, the, the the Hell in a Cell match and the WrestleMania streak. I think I think it's a, it's 
it's too much of what he is perceived to be in people's eyes. Yes, I do concur with that. Kind of I like think... how Oasis are annoyed that outside of the UK they're pretty much just Wonderwall and that's it. <laughs> it it does happen, but in this day and age, especially with the network and like YouTube and things like that, you'll you'll just go to the first thing that's at hand and. I think WWE is sort of guilty of overplaying the streak, and as a result, it has undercut some of the non-streak work he has, like um, his Inferno match with Kane, for example, um, his extended feud with Randy Orton. I know that started initially at WrestleMania, but I actually quite like that Orton feud as a whole. Mm. Um, his matches with Edge, mm. especially again, and again, there is a WrestleMania one in that, but the feud as a whole is pretty good. Um, yeah, I just yeah, the I just whole think highway it's a... to hell, SummerSlam '98 with Steve Austin. Yeah, I I contend that the um the Kane storyline is one of the greatest storylines in wrestling history because it was a mystery that was set up for years. Yeah, it actually got paid off really well, which the WWE never do. Yeah, they never pay you know them paying off whose sister Abigail is or you know which they kind of did, but it wasn't good. It wasn't a good one. Yeah. All these different ideas. Whereas The Undertaker, they set up these mysteries that Paul Bearer was with him, that he was following this urn. This urn holds some sort of power over him. What is the mystery of the urn? And it was a true mystery. And they actually paid it off that it mm. was that The Undertaker had caused a fire that had killed his parents and his brother, or so it would seem, and that Paul Bearer was this lifelong family friend of sorts that for all intents and purposes, had manipulated The Undertaker for all these years. Yeah. And had lied to him. And that was great as well, the Paul Bear. There were so many, like... There, there's so many aspects from The Undertaker that shot off from him mm. that were great within themselves. Paul Bearer was such a great character, both in the... the, the My Undertaker! gimmick with the powdered face and the black hair and... and all of the wreaths and the caskets and all that stuff holding the urn for him but then when he got reinvented I loved the reinvention of Paul Bearer's like those sort of Jerry Falwell Southern Baptist preacher hypocrites and suddenly his voice becomes much more Southern I damn you Undertaker I damn you to hell and, and then the Kane character which could have been so easily a one-off and instead has become like this show's mascot, <laughs> almost. We do love Glenn. We love Glenn. Mm. Uh, Mayor Glenn, soon. Mayor Glenn, yeah. The mayor, or whatever it is we're going to call him. Ah, Glenn. Not that. Too familiar. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but you've raised a good point there, and I just want to sort of interject and pose you a question, if I may. Do you think Glenn Jacobs would have had anything like the success he would have had if The Undertaker did not exist? the bare bones of the character of Kane would have done alright, you know, the masked Michael Myers, Jason type character but he wouldn't have existed without The Undertaker Glenn Jacobs is a great well, he's a good enough wrestler that you'd think he could have made a living, but then again, you know, once, you know fool me once, shame on you and that's like Dr. Isaac Yankum fool me twice, shame on me that's fake Diesel Maybe if the third go-around hadn't worked out either, then he would have been just consigned to the scrap heap, especially if he hadn't been able to make his mark by the time of WCW's death or something, and then he would have just... I mean, he was a successful man outside of wrestling. Yeah. Um. So I'm sure he would have found some way to go about it, but maybe he wouldn't have been able to... You know, you need to have that combination, because there are plenty of talented big man wrestlers out there that didn't quite work out like a Matt Morgan or something like that mm. so people like The Undertaker and, and Kane aren't invulnerable to having been failures if The Undertaker hadn't been given this once in a lifetime gimmick it wouldn't have worked and if someone other than Mark Calloway had been given that gimmick it might not have worked if they'd given it to Danny Spivey instead or if they'd given it to Sid uh, you know, it wouldn't have worked either. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the right man in the right role at the right time. Time, and he caused another right man in the right role at the right time to have a good career. Because they always say, like they say, the greatest wrestling gimmicks of all time are, are yourself with the volume turned up. But from what I understand, people say that 
the Undertaker was never really that much like the Undertaker gimmick. He was a except for Biker Taker years. Yeah, except for the Biker Taker years, he yeah. was just a Southern Texas. I don't know if rednecks the right way to describe it, but you know, he was a tattoo enthusiast and mm. all these other things. I don't think he was into like the goth lifestyle. He doesn't seem like a guy that listens to much Marilyn Manson or uh, whatever. No. Cure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. The idea of the Undertaker dancing to Boys Don't Cry <laughs> or Friday I'm in Love. Or the Smiths. Yeah, the Smiths. I would go out tonight. But I haven't got a stitch to wear. <laughs> do you think with Biker Taker, do you think that enhances or diminishes Taker's legend? I think Biker Taker's fine. I liked it. It, it fit in with the post-98, 99 Attitude Era perfectly. And then when they went back to a more traditional wrestling promotion around that 2003-2004 time when they gave up on all the Attitude uh, excesses. And really became a relatively bland show that they've occasionally been better at presenting than not. The Undertaker's fine in that. The Undertaker is one of the few people that doesn't have to suffer from a lot of Vince McMahon's shit. Because Vince McMahon protects you see it's always I always get annoyed when they say all oh, these wrestlers can make their own opportunities you have to have a combination like I said you know, like Mark Calloway had to have The Undertaker to become as big a long time star as he was and the, yeah. the fact that The Undertaker was so protected meant that they fell ass backwards into the streak when they just realised after the fact oh, hold on this guy's been undefeated all this time that's um, wrong there yeah, let's go with it, because it could have very... I mean, you know, the rumour has it that Triple H was supposed to win at WrestleMania 17, and Shawn Michaels kind of fucked it up for him with his behaviour backstage. Yeah. It was almost like a punishment. I don't know whether that's true or not, but it was very believable that the Triple H could have won that match against The Undertaker, and like I said, I think WrestleMania 17... I think they mentioned it once at WrestleMania 13, and then WrestleMania 17 was the only other time that they said that The Undertaker's undefeated at WrestleMania, and then at WrestleMania 18... 18. That's when he does the counting. And he does the counts. And yeah. that's when the streak element really started to build up. And then, really, post-WrestleMania 21 with Randy Orton, the storyline becomes, I'm going to break the streak. Randy yeah. Orton, I'm going to break the streak. Mark Henry, I'm going to break the streak. And then it's like Batista and Edge and uh, some of the others. It's the streak plus the title. Yeah. And then you've got the four-year epic that is Shawn Michaels and, and Triple, Triple H. H. And then was it Punk? Then After? it was Punk. Yeah. yeah. Then it was Punk. Uh, then Lesnar and then just sort of a that was weird netherworld, as... which is crazy to think how long that's been going on for now. Yeah. Been, we've had four Undertaker appearances is post the streak and that now his yeah. record stands at what 23 and 2 24 and 2 something like that because mm. let's see his post streak record is beating White at 31 beat Shane at 32, 32. lost to Reigns at 33 Three. beat Cena at 34. 34 yeah so it's a respectable record <laughs> yeah, well you know it's not it's not a bad return for like you know post streak but Ah, it's it's just so frustrating when you talk about the streak sometimes. I think with The Undertaker, um, I think the fact that they did fall into the streak, I think the fact that he was so respected, I think that comes from him as a person. Mm. I think you've got to look at his leadership skills and his loyalty. I think those are the two things. It's sort of the character was protected by Vince, but then that gave the Mark Calloway the platform to show his loyalty and his leadership skills. And that loyal, sort of I think loyalty is over overstated at times. I don't think, for example, that Sting was loyal to WCW, it's just that the right time and the right deal was never in place. If WCW would continue to kick WWE's ass for another year or so after that and the Undertaker's contract comes along and Bischoff offers him you know, a Bret Hart deal or a Hulk Hogan deal. I don't see how he doesn't take it. Uh, it's difficult. Uh, I've heard, I've heard stories that in yeah. the past he at least 
put out the word to WCW. But then you've got the under, the question of how do you present the Undertaker out when he's not the Undertaker? What does he become? Yeah. I mean, if it was Biker Taker gimmick at that point, then it could have been all you right. Could have worked but, but then, yeah. yeah, he would have had to change most of But them. I don't know with those things. It's like how the Ultimate Warrior renamed himself Warrior. Maybe maybe Mark Calloway would have renamed himself Mark Undertaker or something like that. Aww. Or like how Ryback is now Ryback, yeah. I believe. Ryback he's Reeves. Still, I don't know if he's still kept he's his still surname. Wrestling around every week, going around the place. I kind of there was like a year of him claiming he was going to do everything, and then like nothing happened. I think he's doing the indies. I think he was doing like a nutrition business as well, or mm. something like that. Mm. And I know but, the Undertaker's invested a lot in real estate and all those sort of things. It'd be curious. It'll be curious to see what the Undertaker is like as a post-wrestling retirement figure. Does he ter- does he attend the the fan accesses? No. Or does he does he get rid of not take up a Legends contract and then as an independent contract to turn up at WrestleCon and God knows how much he could charge for a for a meet and greet and a Q and A session. Yeah. It wouldn't be the Glee Club they'd hold those in. I was going to say I don't think Inside the Ropes would be able to get Mark Calloway. Um, I think I, to be fair, I think if he went with anyone, he'd go with someone like Inside the Ropes. So they yeah. Have a, they have a good reputation. Mind you, if they've got Goldberg, I suppose. If they've got Goldberg, if they've got Chris Jericho, if if The Undertaker's interested, I would imagine he'd be one of the people he would go yeah. to. But I don't think he is. I, th- I think he likes the mystique of his character way too much. I don't know if he likes the mystique. It's just that I think he's a, he might be a very private man. I mean, it looks like he's a very private man. And so yeah. if, he doesn't, if he doesn't have to do it and he doesn't feel the need to do it, then that's fine. Like, but then if, again, if, like, if, if he was so still biker-taker and with their massively loving embrace of social media biker taker would have twitter in theory but would would undead undertaker it I would really imagine. well it's always that funny it's that funny story of like cm punk saying that like a a, a a bit of his childhood disappeared when he was like texting back and forth with the undertaker about something and he made a joke and the undertaker just texted back lol Oh. <laughs> that's not right. I don't want to, I don't want the Undertaker to say that. It's like the first time my mum sent me a text with an emoji on it. I'm like, this is weird. Eh, I don't mind that. It's, emojis seem like something mums would would be into. I don't. Yeah, yeah. You've not, not met my mother. <laughs> I, it sounds like I wouldn't want to. I would want to wow. interact with okay. her through mere texts only. If she is such a. Uh, are you coming on to her? Not particularly, no. Uh, but it's been a while. I'll take what I can get. I'm sure she's <laughs> lovely. This took a dark turn. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's dark. It could, it can be, it can be a beautiful thing, Simon. You need to. I'm not ready for you to make my stepdaddy just yet. Could the Undertaker? It's always funny. Like I don't think the Undertaker, to the best of my knowledge, has ever done any of those sort of acting gigs outside the WWE, has he? No. Oh, no, he, did, he, he did. He did. Um, Suburban Commando. Did he, he was one of the bounty hunters in Suburban Commando. This was right at the start. Really. Take a run. Um, that was great. And there's a great bit where um, well, I don't know if it's great, um, but. Because he's a silent um, bounty hunter that's fighting Hulk Hogan with a with an accomplice, and he goes up to one, the Hogan. He goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." Because he like once he's beaten up one, the other one will turn up and he'll start fighting the other one for a while. And so Hogan goes, "What is this a tag match?" <coughs> and then the Undertaker says, "You're a dead man, Ramsey." But they overdub like a little kid's voice. <laughs> so he goes, "You're a dead man, Ramsey." And Hogan goes, no wonder you guys don't talk. It's <laughs> brilliant. Oh, Suburban Commando was basically the pacifier, wasn't it? It's the same movie. Well, I think it? you would argue that the pacifier is Suburban Commando. If yeah. you're going to go with that. If you're going to go with the... You time get my of point. The time of yeah. the linear construct. concept. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if they were, but set at the same time, and it just this exact same hit situation is happening at two neighbouring houses. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all part of the suburban commando universe. <laughs> the, SC, all, the SCU. All movies are part of the suburban commando universe. We just don't know it yet. I really want there to be like I want them to just say in just in passing that it turns out some other part of like some. Bland Hollywood film 
Like, say, I just saw the Melissa McCarthy film, Life of the Party. I just wanted right. to say that took place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No one mentioned it. <laughs> but this is, this is a world where there's Thor and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Just like in, like, um, that new, like the Will Ferrell movie, like The House, just mentioned. Oh, yeah, this is the same uh, cinematic universe in which... Uh, Batman Shin- Superman. Yeah. Or Schindler's... Well, Schindler's List more. Well, Schindler's List is... It is in the real cinematic yeah. universe. It's Schindler's List. You know, but, like, they make a reference to it. And, like, so he just keeps making off Oscar Schindler, like, um, references throughout the movie for no yeah. reason. Or like, or, like, for some reason, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Like, he's just really into, like, like murder podcasts, and he's listening to one that they're talking about, <laughs> the legendary Leatherface or something. I just want all movies to be a bit like uh, Michael Keaton's character in The Other Guys, where he just keeps making uh, TLC references, but has no clue why. <laughs> and doesn't recognise them. Well, of course, Michael Keaton played Batman. Batman was an inspiration for The Undertaker, and The Undertaker is what we're talking about here, Simon. Great way to get us back on track. Do you have a favourite version of The Undertaker? I can't remember if I asked this in the previous episode. You have. I like... Best, it is... Oh, what year was 21? 21 2021. Oh, WrestleMania 21. 21, yeah. That would have been 2005. The Undertaker costume around that time is my favourite Undertaker costume. That's that was when you got that sort of the cowboy look, hadn't it? Sort of undead Johnny Cash was yeah. basically what he was trying yeah, to do. Yeah, that was the great time. when they gave him the Johnny Cash music for one year for the entrances. You see, like they pushed the yeah. out. They pay for licensing for the Undertaker. <laughs> uh, they don't ask it as a favour, mind you. They they're all right with licensing sometimes. But what would you what would you change of the Undertaker? Is there anything from the past that you would have changed? Would you have never done Biker Taker? Would you have? It's hard to say because in previous episodes I do I do think that Undertaker's freshness as a character wouldn't be there without Biker Taker. Uh, Would you drop the MMA influences? Would you? No, because I think that's Mark Holloway's way of expressing himself. Plus, it's it's a hard one because he can't because Undertaker's. The ben- in terms of his wrestling style, he's the Benjamin Button of the WWE. He's wrestled younger and younger as he's got older and older. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you've sort of give him allowances, and the style of wrestling is so different that he sort of has to do things slightly differently. And he's chosen MMA to add, I don't know, an e- extra edge of realism to his move set to make stop it being overtly cartoony. Because you think about some of Taker's moves. Um, they are very like hokey eighties, like all wind up punch ones. Um, particularly Walking old school, ropes, old yeah. school and snake eyes. You think of those as moves. I think snake eyes is fine. Ah, but it's a lot of build. It's a lot of build up. Yeah, like, it's no more build up than like a power slam or anything. Gets you on the shoulders, drops you head first onto the turnbuckle, and then quickly follows it up with a big boot. And as long as you're not John <sighs> Cena and you go diving down from about five feet away, yeah. Then it looks pretty good. Yeah, and the Snake Eyes isn't as bad as old school, but there is a, a, a See, degree I of hokiness to it. I find it interesting that you're saying that they've brought the elements of realism into his later matches, but at the same time, if there's a reason that the last WrestleMania main event had finisher spam of you know 15 F5s, 32 spears, 79 Superman punches. Didn't it come from Undertaker hitting Tombstone, Tombstone kick out, Undertaker hitting the second Tombstone? Didn't it come from Triple H, you know, Shawn Michaels switching music, Triple H pedigree, the Undertaker still kicking out? Not exclusively. Didn't they they essentially do the indie style of zero psychology wrestling, but because they're old and they say they know what they're doing and because the crowd's there and they're into it because it's WrestleMania... And it's got all that pre-arranged stuff. You know, what is... Is it much more ridiculous than Leo Rush taking a sunset flip powerbomb off a 15-foot ladder through a table and then standing up? Just because well, Leo Rush is 5'2", you know, whatever. 
No, but nor is it a thing that Undertaker is exclusively guilty of. No. Exclusively but guilty of. But the Undertaker of. is the most famous proponent of it. No, he's like, no, 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 no. I think, no, I think that's... If he's, if, if he's leading by example, then the example is at WrestleMania, you've got to do as many finishes as possible and just one won't be good enough anymore and the crowd won't buy it unless you do it three times. And, you know, all those things and you've got to do the shocked face every time they kick out the finisher. But if you do it so many times, why is it still shocking to you? <laughs> I don't. I think that's more of a problem associated with the streak per se in the Undertaker and the booking of that, rather than the Undertaker purely himself. I think that's an industry-wide problem. Yeah, uh, but that... the Undertaker could have stopped it. The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels could have had it all built around whoever hits Sweet Chin Music, whoever hits the Tombstone. That's it. Which is what it used to always be. Mm. The only person that The Undertaker did that to was Kane at WrestleMania 14, where he gave him three tombstones. It's a a tough one, because as as I say, I think... Even with Hulk Hogan kicking out of the finisher, it was the notion that Hulk Hogan was the only one that could do this. Yeah. And and when he lost to The Ultimate Warrior, it was just because he got hit with two two of them. Whereas now, it's like two, three, four, and it's not enough. Yeah, I, I think it's a stylized thing, and I think they wanted to be seen as keeping up with the times. I think if that match had been booked when finishes meant more, they would have done that. But that's my that's my spin on it, anyway. I just think The Undertaker, whether wittingly or not, and Shawn Michaels opened the floodgates, and mm. everything that came crashing down, they have to bear a certain amount of blame for. Yeah, I mean... I'm, I don't think they opened the floodgates per se. I don't think they helped matters, but do you think they did it to an extent. I do actually think they did it to an extent. <laughs> that is everyone's third shot. Do you Ooh. think the Undertaker should have had more time as a champion? Potentially, but you look at what he was up against for, for like his peak years. He was up against two of the biggest stars ever in Austin and The Rock. Um, you had Undertaker dealing at his own time with the biggest, one of the biggest non-title storylines he faced with the arrival of Kane and Mankind. Um, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't. I mean, it would have been nice to see, but it, it's not essential. No one's looking at Undertaker's career, going, "Oh, I wish he'd been champion more." Then, I'd, you know, then I'd see him as a legend. He doesn't need a big title reign. Sort of like Mankind. Do you think The Undertaker, how would you, what would be a modern day equivalent of The Undertaker gimmick? Say it's starting up on NXT today. How would you do it? Say that there is some, say this big lad that they had debut and then got choked out by Samoa Joe and then 18 months later he turns up at Greatest Royal Rumble. Yeah. And say you give him... A gimmick that's the Undertaker. Say it's like the 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 um, ultimate Marvel. So it's the ultimate WWE version of the Undertaker. You could have Son of the Undertaker, the Son yeah. of the Undertaker. No, I don't think it as a straight pull or anything close to it. It would work. I think the closest we do have is someone in NXT right now, and that's Alistair Black. Mm. That could be very not it's the gothic, a straight pull, the gothic but it's elements to it, the stoicism, but modern gothic. And also, he has got actual martial arts skills that the Undertaker doesn't. I mean, you look at those kicks, and there's an accuracy and an athleticism and the smoothness that MMA fans that like the Undertaker and frankly CM Punk. Yeah. We're never able to match with that level of grace and accuracy and sharpness. Whereas Alistair Black has the muscle memory to just snap mm. it off. Mm. Yeah. Now, I think Alistair Black but, could but, vote. But he couldn't be presented as in, as invulnerable as The Undertaker is. I mean, he has lost... No. Like he, I think he's only got pinned once in NXT by Johnny Gargano in that Fatal 4-Way. Yeah. Um, although Almas basically... Took the majority of the offence in the match mm. in NXT. I was surprised at how much selling 
they had Alistair Black do in that match. I mean, I don't think The Undertaker, outside of the great Carly and um, Giant Gonzalez, I can't think of any other instances where he was dominated in a, in a match. Uh, Roman Reigns, 30, WrestleMania 32, Lesnar. I'll confess I still haven't watched that match. Yeah. No, Taker take is not the aggressor in that match. Um, WrestleMania 30 with Lesnar. I think that's presented as fairly even Stevens until yeah. the shock ending. Uh, he sort of hangs on quite a bit towards the end. It is interesting how he's... Someone made, I saw a post on Reddit that made a very funny point that Brock Lesnar has kicked out of every single tombstone he's ever received. At least on screen. That's the record that um, people maybe, are maybe, maybe at house yeah. shows. I know The Undertaker beat him and Big Show in a, in a handicap match once on SmackDown. Yeah. Um... So I don't know, but maybe, but that would have been when he was biker taker. So take he, he didn't tombstone the then. last ride and yeah. um, choke slams as his finisher. That's another one. Lesnar's um, the Hell in a Cell match. Uh, Taker's not over. He does get dominated a fair bit. Which one are we talking about? Are we talking about the, more the No Mercy one? Picked up the uh, Matt or the one that we included in our Mount Rushmore of matches. Uh, the Mount Rushmore one, although the Matt one's another good example. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and of course that's the other thing about The Undertaker. I don't think anyone's had as many gimmick matches made for him, and especially not as many gimmick matches that have worked. Yeah. Casket match, um, Hell in a Cell match was essentially invented for him, and he was who wrestled in nearly all the Hell in a Cell matches for a long time. Buried Alive match. Buried Alive. Um, They had the Rest in Peace match with the Giant Gonzalez. I don't think that went beyond one of those. But, um, yeah, like three or four matches that you would associate with The Undertaker. He had the Inferno match, but I suppose you would associate that That's more with Kane yeah. over The Undertaker. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, to have two or three gimmick matches at least built around you at the start, that's that's a hell of an achievement as well. Yeah, I mean, I think what we're saying, like, he's interwoven. And I don't think there's anyone more interwoven in the fabric of WWE mm. than The Undertaker. And I think because of that, it's it's hard to see him as anything other than like the legends that we are discussing today. Mm. Um, I do think his leadership is because of how breed a generation as well. I mean, his running of wrestlers' courts um, has certainly helped shape some characteristics, particularly with some of the younger stars of the attitude. Attitude era, sort of your edges and Christians and and the like. Um, I'll be honest, I've heard some of the behaviour with him in wrestlers' courts, and it sounds pretty out of order to me. Yeah, in, in some senses, like the, the the stories of how they treated Muhammad Hassan, whether he deserved it or not, mm. that's abuse in the workplace. Yeah, but I think if you stop, you get court abuse. martial for that, and uh, you know. I'm about to watch a few good men, so I guess that's why that was on my mind. <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, to be fair, if you pull at the abuse in the workplace, Fred, with wrestling, we'll be here for hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a man that's made mistakes. Just ask him when he was going through the laser removal of the Sarah tattoo. <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, that was a odd. Because that, that was they sort of alluded to it on television with Michelle McCall's ring attire, but they never and like admitted it. It was really weird because she sort of started getting crosses on her like tights. Well, I don't think the Undertaker having an on-screen wife or girlfriend, especially outside of the biker taker years, would have ever worked. No, Vince did reveal there was it. Um, there was plans for it at one point. Oh God! Uh, it was what during his with Michelle. No, no, no. This is early doors. This was. When he first started out, he revealed it during his speech to the Oxford uh, University oh. uh, Union that there was um, going to be a planned love interest for The Undertaker. You could have given him, like, I guess sort of 95, 94 Undertaker. You could have given him, like, a, when he started to become a bit more Human. Marilyn Manson, heavy metal. Well, not heavy metal, but Marilyn Manson-like figure. And they, they leaned more into the goth element of it. And he had those yeah. gothic followers who would be at the ringside and they spook Karma the, um, and the Million Dollar Corporation. You could have given him someone looked, who looked like Daphne, for example. Yeah. Um, but I just don't think... At that point, that's not the way that you humanise The Undertaker. You don't humanise him by thinking... 
God, he after a match he goes home as a shower and then shags someone. You don't, oh. you don't you don't want to think about it really. <laughs> I think that's what made the Stephanie um angle so weird. Well that was sexualization just, of the Undertaker. That was just that was yeah, but that was that was the Undertaker as like um uh, a demon um cult devil worshipper. It's a shame that that got swallowed up with the corporate ministry thing. I feel like that robe cult leader undertaker goatee leader type. of the ministry goatee with pit with paul bearer back by his side i think that gimmick could have lasted a good year or so but through a combination of injury and the merging of the corporate ministry together that really went away fairly quickly yeah but what's really interesting as well about the undertaker is that as a wrestler he's not the complete package because he never became a good promo even because they never needed him to be. Again, that's another thing. Like Vince McMahon needs everyone to be able to talk for 20 minutes in a segment or what have you. And for the time when it was the bike take, it, it kind of would work anyway. But, I mean, I remember when he would do he did a promo during the Shawn Michaels and he was just stumbling over his words. He lost his train of thought. He's never been one to think quick on his feet, particularly except for, say what, if you like having sex with your sister or... <laughs> Whatever else it was he said around that time. But he wasn't the complete package. And now I don't think someone like The Undertaker... Again, it's another example of why The Undertaker wouldn't be allowed to be what he is. Because he would have to be able to talk in yeah. a WWE scripted sense. Yeah. And, and to be fair, his promos back in the day were scripted. But the script was like two lines. Yeah. I don't think he'd do well with the uh, structure. Mm. Yeah, 26-year-old Mark Calloway joining the WWE... Performance center would not. I've said he would probably be close to anything. Would be Baron Corbin. Yeah. And I mean, there's someone that was like going to be quite like the Undertaker, but no, it's just, it's just not there. I'd say in terms of like, you could see parallels in the presentation. But no, there won't be another one. There just won't. What? Okay, here's one for you. Is The Undertaker... Was The Undertaker a draw? Yes. I'd well, say then so. how do you explain the fact that he was in the WWE during its most unsuccessful years as well as its most successful years? Again, how that's... Do you, how, do you, how do you combine that? that he, yeah, he was there in 98, but he was there in 95 as well. You and can't... He was as prominent, if not more prominent, in those days. Was it was the Undertaker like Vin, like Jim Cornette said about Jim uh, Triple H? He's not the guy that makes you money. He's the guy that wrestles against the guy that makes you money. Initially, he was that, but he became the guy who draws you money uh, later on in his career. It again, it, you sort of got to when, split the answer. When in his career was that? Was it in two thousand and two, two thousand and three, when business plummeted yet again? It would have been around the early noughties. Um, if he was so vital, why was he put on SmackDown for the vast majority of his run? Um, I if think... he was a true draw, in the way that John Cena was a draw, in the way that they perceive Roman Reigns to be a draw, in the way that they perceive Braun Strowman to be a draw, if you're the most important part of the promotion, or one of the two or three most important parts of the promotion, you're on Raw. Yeah. The Undertaker, after 2003, I think, was never really a mainstay on Raw again. But I think I think there's two reasons for that. One, SmackDown needs its own star power, and I think Undertaker, you know, was enlisted for that. And but SmackDown I think needs its own star power. Why I didn't think, you give them John Cena for a year? Wow. Well, you know how Vince works. He wants some of his projects in one. He doesn't want to put too much in one place and too much in the other. Um, and I think one of the other reasons he was on SmackDown for a large portion of that period uh, was because his. Um, Lightning effects and such were a lot easier to add in on the pre-recorded SmackDown than the live Monday Night Raw. But but let's go back to my point though, like because they always loved to, you know wrestling now. I mean, especially now that Vince McMahon's basically about to become a billionaire many times over at the time when his product is nowhere near its peak. Content quality, over quality. quality that, that's just modern media though. Yeah, that's modern media. He's accidentally stepped into shit. Um, <laughs> It, but if you look at it, The Undertaker came in at the time when it was about who attracts the house gates. Even at that point, it was still who attracted the house gates. And that was, you know, that was what made a Bruno Sammartino Hall of Fame worthy or Hulk Hogan 
or a Bob Backlund, and that's why you know Tommy Rich doesn't get to be NWA World Champion for very long, or you know why someone like Dusty Rhodes was able to work in Florida for so many years, or the Funks in Texas and what have you. The Undertaker never did that. The Undertaker. It's like if the WWF is a brand and the brand is what sells it. It's the Undertaker. It's the WWF featuring the Undertaker, not the Undertaker that brings people to see a show. True. True. Is the Undertaker more important to wrestling fans than the general public? Yes. To a greater extent than Hulk Hogan, John Cena, even Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes, um, <clears throat> The Undertaker is more of a wrestling fans wrestler than a uh, general public or lapsed fans wrestler, I would say. Well, let's be fair, I think... But I think he's one of those wrestlers... Wrestler, he's one yeah. of those ones that within 10 or 11, they would name The Undertaker. Oh, yeah, he'd be a high but score and pointless, as we say. Yeah. I've always thought, I want to see some sort of montage of The Undertaker's career, and I want to see a montage of just pointing out that at some point or another... He was in the ring with Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, Randy Savage, Sergeant Slaughter, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash, Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H, John Cena, Batista, Edge, Roman Reigns, Braun, you know, Brock Lesnar, CM Punk, CM Punk, Randy Orton, Shawn, you know, Randy Orton. He's that one constant. He just came in right at the end of the golden era. Yeah. And then is through to now. I mean, a world without the Undertaker, at the very least, at a WrestleMania, because that was the, that was the power really of the streak. That it meant that he could have more value at WrestleMania, even after the streak, because he was so intrinsically linked with it. That meant he only had to wrestle once a year for quite a few years, and unless they occasionally want to put him up against Dean Ambrose in a special SmackDown or programming a mini feud with the with Brock Lesnar for a couple of months, or. Yeah. Want to please the Saudi king by having him wrestle a casket match against Rusev? Rusev. Oh, if that ends up being his last match, that he like hurts his hip somehow, and his last match was in front of an indifferent group of Saudi Arabians against Rusev. That would have been a sad end. Um, that's why I think he is going to be at WrestleMania again. Um, much to my chagrin because I think I don't think he can go anymore I, well, I, I mean, think the, I think one of the reasons that he had the three minute match with John Cena was that they were all nervous he couldn't have anything else yeah so they've got they've got a limited amount of time to get this done I haven't watched the match with Rusev I don't know how short it was or how much uh, how many bumps the Undertaker could, uh, took not many, not many. Um, no not many at all um I think Aiden English takes a tombstone, which Quite Rusev doesn't. One. I don't think. He takes yeah. an ugly one that sort of jammed. People worry jammed his neck a bit. Yeah. Um, so maybe another sign that the Undertaker, who's always seen as one of the safest guys to work with, one of the only two people that was allowed to pole driver in the WWE for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, once now that it looks like he'll be retiring soon, and maybe Kane has retired as soon as he becomes elected mayor, then maybe we won't see another pile driver in the WWE. For quite some time, it's a thought. It will, it will happen again. Mm. Possibly so, not while Vince McMahon's in charge, though. So that has been our three hours of discussion of, like I said, to my mind, the great statistic achievement in the WWE. He's wrestling's Phantom of the Opera. It's Don Giovanni. If you want to be artsy fartsy about it, he is the you know, he is the 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 Batman the. The spine of the football formation that is the WWE. Mm-hmm. The midfield general. Yeah, he's the Bobby Moore. <laughs> not Bobby... Yeah, Bobby Moore. Well, he's not Bobby Moore was general. A, no. But he was the captain, Supremo. The Andrea Perlo. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Similar... Yeah. Both, well, both gorgeous Undertaker, men. But... Undertaker wishes he was that gorgeous. Everyone wishes they were that gorgeous. Yeah. Anyway... To be fair, doesn't from what I understand, in his last few seasons in the MLS, I think Pirlo moved with about the same speed in the in on the pitch as the un, early Undertaker moved in the ring. Early and yeah, yeah. To be fair, <laughs> right. That's it then for this one. We've got to go back. Got to go all the way to Mount Rushmore. One last 
time. We have done matches. We have done entrances. Now we are just going to do moments. Those moments could be within a match. They could be within an entrance. It doesn't matter what it is. Simon, do you have your list ready? I do. I do. Okay. Um, I've debated this one, but there's a bit of repetition with um, Mount Rushmore for his matches, but as a moment, there's no way it can't not be in it. It so has a moment to. within the match. It is a moment within the match, and it is okay. him launching Mick Foley okay. like the human dart he is off of the cell. Just, just it's in everything. Every WWE montage, it's it is a key building block of everything they do. It it was a such a massive moment. Okay. I. You, I, I, I could go on again. I could go on, but I think there's not much I could say that hasn't already been said about that specific moment. Mm-hmm. Um, his regeneration to well, like Doctor Who. Steal a phrase from Doctor Who. Back to Undead Taker, uh, coming out at WrestleMania again. Twenty was it in Hollywood? Twenty was when he came back. Yeah. Now twenty-one was Hollywood. Twenty was the. Madison Square Garden 20th anniversary one. Ah, yes. No, yeah. So 20 was the one I'm on about. Um, where it just came screaming, you're not real. You're not real at him as soon as he gets in the ring. Which I thought was a nice touch. And again, against the right opponent. And it was just like a... Gr- you never see a wrestler... Again, I'm going to compare the second to Chris Jericho here. You never see a wrestler come back with quite such... Such a big wrestler come back with such a big character change like that. It's mm. quite a strange... Unique well, moment. So character change is a character return. Yeah, like a reboot. Yeah, a reboot would probably be a better word. Um, moment number three. As much as I hate the fact it happened, the streak ending. Okay. I think that's an essential tenet of the Undertaker's tale. Because uh, again, it's another chapter end. Um. And my fourth one is the. I, I've mentioned it earlier, but it's the Stephanie kidnap angle. Hmm. Is it specifically the where to Stephanie? (laughs) That's the best bit of it. But I also quite like. And of course, they they even homaged it a few years later with uh, Teddy Long. Exactly. Parody's the best form of flattery. Mm. So that's my four. Um, I said homage. I think that's a kind of way of putting it. And it's French as well. So that makes it cool. Ooh. (laughs) Get your bear right out. So these are the four that I've come up with. I want to try and cover uh, a fair amount of his career from start to finish. So, I've gone for his earliest one, which was his first title win one year after his debut. I very nearly went for his debut, but like I said, there are a few kinks to iron out still at that point. So, him coming and beating Hulk Hogan, yes, with Ric Flair interference, but at that point as well, you've got to realise, there have only been about a dozen wrestlers to win the WWE Championship at that mm. point. And The Undertaker was like number 13. And he was also much younger than nearly every other person that had held the title at that point. I think he was the youngest champion at that stage. And And they could trust him. And then he wasn't out of place in a feud that involved Roddy Piper, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, uh, Randy Savage and Jake the Snake Roberts. That he already was an equal to them on screen, essentially. And, and, he, he, was and fairly, he pinned Hulk Hogan. Yeah, he pinned Hulk Hogan. Not many people got to do that. Yeah. Um, Admittedly with a chair, but yeah. not a chair-assisted finisher. For utter bonkers nonsense, some people consider this an abomination. I remember watching it in awe when I was a kid. It is the whole crazy level of interference in the casket match he has with Yokozuna at the Royal Rumble 1994. Ten bad guys coming out trying to beat him up. They knock him out with the 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 urn. They open the urn up and then green mist starts coming out again, adding to the mystery. What is that? What is that? Then the Undertaker appearing on the screen from a casket eye view <laughs> and ascending, <laughs> suddenly turning into Marty Jannetty and ascending into the rafters. <laughs> I very nearly picked that. That's one of my honourable mentions. I've gone for a pu- an element within one of the matches I chose, and that is for WrestleMania 23, 
him and Batista essentially deciding amongst themselves after feeling insulted for their positioning on the card to steal the show. And that leading to this run of 23 against Batista, 24 against Edge, 25-26 against Shawn Michaels, 27-28 against the uh, Triple H, 29 against CM Punk, where he is probably, in most of those instances, the best match on the card. And yeah. suddenly The Undertaker, the super five-star worker, emerges... And the and the unnatural, ungodly amount of chemistry that he had with Batista, that was a bit of a surprise to everyone at that point. Um, so it's sort of. just like it was almost like he kicked it up a gear at that point. That he went back to his like '97 version of himself that was yeah. suddenly having these great matches with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. That Undertaker suddenly emerging. And he kicked on Batista's career really because that yeah, was eh, sort of to an extent. <laughs> And for the final one, oh. I've gone for. I, I wanted to do something about iconography and, and visual storytelling, and so for that, I've gone with him retiring at WrestleMania 33, seemingly laying his gloves and his hat and his coat on in the ring, and then then returning to that visual a year later at WrestleMania 34. Yeah. And the use of iconic, simple, very visual, very simple visual storytelling, which the WWE doesn't do enough of, considering that it's a very much a visual medium. Uh, that you don't have to have the sound on, you don't need Michael Cole explaining everything <laughs> from what Triple what Vince McMahon has given him as bullet points and yelled in his ear to say a yeah. few moments earlier. So yeah, I wanted to do some really good example of visual storytelling, and I think that did a great exact did do that very very well. Okay. Very simple, stark iconography, and that is what the Undertaker's always been about. Okay. So. It's a bit of a weird position because we've got no overlap whatsoever. Is it that weird a position with us two lately, Simon? We still no. haven't settled uh, round one because we ended up drawing on the WrestleMania predictions. We did. We did. Um... It will be settled at a later date, listener dears. We will figure that one out. <sighs> okay, are there any of mine for myself up here that you think are a little bit shaky um I'll say the ones that I think are good well, I think they're all good I mean the streak is the one that I'd be most tempted the streak breaking is one that I'd be most tempted to go with but we both have mixed feelings about that but uh, it's, um, it goes beyond like, our feelings I know, I know, I know. to an extent hey take another shot hey Purely because um, I, I'll it's iconic. What, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go with the mankind Hell in a Cell one because I think that's McFoley's story, not the Undertaker's. The Undertaker is a supporting player in that. And moment. because I think we already have it in the previous Mount Rush. Well, we do have it in the previous in, in Part One's Mount Rushmore. Okay, yeah, we do as a match. Um, so if we take the fact that the moment is included in the match, um, the where to, Stephanie? Too cheesy, not not big enough. A, 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 I know it was a big storyline, but not big enough. Oh, I think it's just quite a beautiful. Like it's, it's, it's funny. I've got no problem with you having yeah. it like one of your. It's like your little indulgence. Oh, my little indulgence. Side project. Um, and Undertaker's return, regeneration as Dead Man Taker. Yeah, they're not bad choices. I would argue the case that maybe we should... I what I'm going to do, what I'm going to... I think we sometimes go too recent. I think none of this happens if The Undertaker doesn't prove his importance right at the start and earns himself a WWF Championship. Yeah. From Which is nothing... They didn't give that to any of their invented gimmicks except for The Ultimate Warrior and The Undertaker. So what I'll do, because we already have the moment included in the match we've put in Mount Rushmore... Okay. I'll bench that, even though everyone here knows it's a great moment. But mm. we're benching it because it's included already in this three-part saga. And I'll go on. We'll insert your crowning glory moment of the title win because I think you're right. I think if he hadn't kicked on, in there were so few months, people to be WWF champion at that point. At that point, it's Buddy Rogers, Bruno Sammartino, Ivan Koloff, Pedro Morales, Stan Stasiak. Superstar Billy Graham, Bob Backlund, The Iron Sheik, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Randy Savage, Ultimate Warrior, and The Undertaker. 
13 people at that point held the WWF Championship. He was only the 13th person to hold it then. It'd be Judas at the table. Mm. Yeah, very much so. Or Zebekiah, or whoever the last one was. The most, the least important apostle, maybe. Oh, I'm not, but you get my point. Yeah. That's Backlund's job to be the least Who important. Who is the least important apostle? <laughs> Zebedee? That's Rainbow. No, no, first of all, that's Zippy. Zebedee's the magic roundabout. And Zebedee was an apostle of Jesus. Now we're highlighting the generational gap here. Well, I think we're highlighting that one of us was raised Roman Catholic. <laughs> Irish oh, yeah, Roman we are. Catholic. Yeah, I, I could not know. You know what? When you said apostles, I actually started thinking of reindeer. I was like, Donna Blitzen? No. That's a Donna very Dixon. different. <laughs> okay. So that has been the final part of our Undertaker trilogy. We are going to have a couple more episodes come out this year, and then we're going to take a sabbatical, but we'll hold off of some of the announcements on that until we get to it. But in the meantime, Simon, how can people get in touch with you if they want to talk about The Undertaker even more than we've done over these last few weeks? I'm not sure if that's entirely possible, but they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I am Simon Cross Free so named because there's been three parts to our Undertaker conversation. Nice. Uh, they can get in touch with me on Facebook or on our Facebook page, uh, and they can just yell abuse at me in the streets of Leicester, like some people tend to do on occasion. Leicester, Derby, wherever you lay your hat on that at that particular time. <laughs> My name's Lorcan Mullen, that's L-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Apple N for Norman. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of that, that's my email address. If you put an at at the front of it, that's my Instagram account, that's my Twitter account. If you want to get in touch with me on Facebook, you can do so. Keep your eyes and ears open for the upcoming new podcast series, Best of Worst of British. Affection known as Bowob. <laughs> Bowob, yes, as you will affectionately know it as eventually, Simon. Um, oh man, some of the shit we've been put through lately. <laughs> I just like, I mean, I don't know what your chronology of episodes is, so I'm not going to give too much away. But Lorcan was kind enough uh, the other day when we were like <laughs> setting up, um, setting up our plan of action, record dates, and what have you. Yeah, to to send over the trailer for um, one of the movies he is either watching or has just I've watched. watched. You have watched it. Okay. One of our co-hosts didn't make it all the way through. He tapped out, and he will be receiving punishment in the near future. I was about to say, I don't think that was allowed, but it's okay. It's not allowed. <laughs> Considering that the trailer I watched was about two and a half minutes, two and a half to three minutes long, um, I can get why your co-host tapped out. Let's leave it at that. I mean, <laughs> British cinema is something which is <clears throat> on the way up and has been for quite some time, but there were some dark, dark periods <laughs> Yes, there were the equivalent of the post-ITV getting rid of World of Sport days in the cinema of this fair isle. But, until then, my name's been Lorcan Mullen. My name's been Simon Cross, and will continue to be so. Mm. To an extent? or for the, to, oh. a full to a large extent. Mm. I don't know if that's a double shot, because I put large in. <laughs> But until then, thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time. Until the next time, farewell, Grapple Fan.